Welcome to the Better Value, Better Business podcast. You are listening to Alex Stacey, and today I'm going to talk about something called the affective emotional response. Last episode, we were introduced to some of the ways our minds work, and we are going to continue that with looking at the different ways we interpret the world around us. This is all part of our journey in constructing how we perceive value. Let's go on an imaginary journey along a high street and visit some shops. So we walk into a shop because we noticed it had an attractive or relevant window display and we start looking around. We go over to the winter coats section and we examine them. Firstly, we can interact with the object in a physical way and understand it from what it is made of, its shape and colour and size. For instance, this coat is wool, bright yellow and very small. In that instance, we are evaluating its physical qualities, what it is made from, the colour, the size. If we were testing out a car, we would note whether the car is roomy and it gives us a comfortable ride. Is there somewhere to put drinks or a bag? Back to the shop. Perhaps the shop itself is particularly well lit and highlighted the particular item we are looking for. Another way we evaluate is by the stimulus we receive from the social environment. For instance, if the shop assistant was helpful, we might be visiting it because an influential other recommended us to look at the clothes in this particular shop. We might find the other customers are people we aspire to be like. Then there are symbolic meanings. For instance, you might think that a certain hairstyle is more appropriate for a younger woman. A Rolex watch means you are successful and shopping at Aldi means you are careful with money. Then there are the sensory stimuli, the feel of the clothes, their softness, they smell clean and new. Then we notice the smell of fresh brewed coffee from the cafe and the great choice in music makes us want to linger and browse. Finally, there is the affective response to the experience, such as excitement about driving a fast car, loving the smell of fresh ground coffee beans, or feeling guilty because I didn't send my mum a birthday card. Each of these types of stimulus kick off a chain of unconscious and perhaps conscious associations, as discussed in the previous podcast, and we start to generate a feeling towards the item. And these feelings generated in this way are termed affective responses. So these affective responses just happen to us and we have little direct control and they can respond to any stimulus. We can learn an effective response. You have probably heard of the Pavlov and his dogs experiment where when dogs were fed, a bell was rung. The ringing of a bell was repeated every feeding time and eventually the sound of that bell would induce the dogs to salivate in anticipation of feeding time. And this is termed a learned hope. And on the other hand, we can learn to have a negative response, an aversion to it. Negative affective responses are learned much more quickly, which is why we don't play with yellow and black striped flying insects. I expect this is an evolutionary effect to make us more risk averse than risk positive. 
Our attitude towards something changes and evolves as an accumulation of experiences and memories of them affect it. Even word shapes get associated with memories. For instance, angular shapes are linked to angular speech and rounded shapes are linked to rounded speech. Cellar door is supposed to be the most pleasant combination of words and sounds. Cellar door, it is so smooth. And yet if we think of the word paprika, it sounds so spiky. And this is something that brands have to consider. Does the shape of their logos match their names? The Audi logo is a good example of a matching brand name with four interlinked circles. It looks like a row of vowels. In the last episode, I spoke of associative ideas. Let's look at how Lewis Carroll's rhyme in Alice in Wonderland seems to conjure up an impression and meaning. And yet at least nine of the words I don't recognise from any other situation, so have no contextual meaning. But the sheer sound of them gets our associative mind working. Twas brillig and the slithy toves did gar and gimble in the wabe. All mimsy were the groves and the moan wraths outgrabe. So, did you experience any attitude towards those words? Did it conjure up a pleasant image or an unpleasant image? I don't like the sound of those slithy toves, as it sounds a bit like slimy toes. All the above contribute to evolving an attitude towards things, whether we like them or not. Is the glass half full or half empty? And your attitude will affect how you behave towards those things. So here are the main categories of our attitudes. It could be that the object, person or service is utilitarian. That is, it has a use. Or it could be about ego defence and supports the consumer's self-concept. It could be a value expression to reflect their personality or be about knowledge to reaffirm what we know. And I'll speak about those in another episode. And this is what consumer branding relationships are about. Brand equity involved creating and sustaining strong positive attitudes based on favourable meanings and beliefs that are accessible in memory. Neuroscience has taken research into what is happening in our brains a bit further as it can detect your first reaction to words or objects and thus is measuring your intuition that is, your System 1 generated attitude. But in real life it is more complex, as what you value can vary according to the context, and therefore your attitude will be affected. The where's, when's, who with's and why's. For instance, when we are considering somewhere to eat out, you will be thinking about whether it is an occasion like St Valentine's Day, if you are accompanying a child, or if you need a snack while driving, if you're in the town centre or near the rail station. You might be out for a treat or commuting. If you're looking at attitude formation, you need to consider these factors too. So currently, I'm using the word attitude because that is what inclines us to go ahead with an action or not. And this is one of the paths that has been mapped out. Firstly, we notice something. Then we develop a liking or dislike for it. Then we do something about it. But the thing that makes us do the something 
is triggered by our affective system, that is, the emotions. I was listening to someone talking about the problems around getting robots to action something, as they don't have an endocrine system and emotions. One phenomena is that we act according to our emotions. Intuition system one, thinking very promptly, but we don't always know why we behaved like that. And then we perform post-rationalizations to make sense of our actions. So to conclude, attitude is affected by situational factors and motives. Your customers and members of your team are constantly having experiences, creating memories, generating emotions and forming attitudes. Your organisation should be trying to enable these positive attitude formations at all the touch points. Thank you for listening today and I hope you found this useful. I do have a website which I consult at at as-insights.com and I put links to the research studies and books and there are blogs there which might be helpful to you too. Goodbye. Goodbye.